Dan Friel, and I have with me today Josh Brown and Maury Hirsch-Gordon. How are you guys doing? Doing well, Dan. The sun is in the air. TBT is another week uh, closer among the horizon, so what could be better? Exactly. Yeah. Maury, how about you? <laughs> Dan, doing great. I know I, li- I had a little bit of a uh, hiatus uh, with the Quinnipiac women's basketball team going all the way to the Sweet 16 and you know the Quinnipiac men's team hiring Villanova assistant Baker Dunleavy, but Glad to be back. It's mid-April, and you know TBT's ready to go. Do you think Mike Dunleavy Sr. is going to cry as much when Baker Dunleavy leads his team into the NCAA tournament as he did with his other son? <laughs> with I don't think so, but I, I also don't think it's going to be you know that soon. I think it's going to take a couple of years, so I think he'll he'll have a little time to wait. Well, either way, we've got a lot of interesting stuff going on. Teams are starting uh, the voting process now. Uh, it's been on in effect for about nine days or so, and we've got a lot of great teams up there. More are coming in every day. And we're actually going to speak to a couple of different guys this week. We've got an interview, Josh, that I know that you did with John Dre Jefferson of two-time back-to-back TBT champion overseas elite. Yeah, I, just a guy that we actually uh, recorded it uh, a little over a week ago. And we talked a lot about, first off, the final four run that both the women's and the men's team made in uh, basketball. The women's team actually won the national championship. From South, so I really from South Carolina. To- from South Carolina, yeah. yeah. Um, so I really wanted to talk to him about that. A lot of interesting stuff. He was kind of on the ground floor of the men's team when they really uh, started to turn the program around. He actually played right before Frank Martin got hired. And then, uh, you know, we talked about TBT, uh, his career overseas. Really a good guy, kind of one of the, the good guys, as people would label them Um in sports had a lot of really good interesting things to say about uh how overseas elite how they won two times in a row um he had a great quote about how uh basically he thinks that they're an unbeatable team moving forward and you know they certainly backed it up so a lot of good things there from john Dre, and i think uh you guys will really enjoy it Welcoming in now two-time TBT champion, John Dre Jefferson. John Dre, we know you're over in Turkey. Uh, you've had a busy couple of days watching your native South Carolina Gamecocks in both the women's and men's side, and you took the time out of your day to join us here on the TBT podcast. How you doing, John Dre? I'm doing pretty good. It's definitely been a, a couple of long nights and early mornings for me. Well, I wanted to get right into that because I know you've been very active watching South Carolina. The women's team won the national championship and the men's team made the final four. I mean, what's that been like for you for an alum? I know you've been tweeting about it, watching your Gamecocks really just kind of dominate the college basketball stage over the last, you know, uh, three to four weeks. Man, this has been the biggest year for Gamecock fans, like as a university and just as alums and people that love that university. It's uh, to watch those teams do what they did, make those final four runs, and then the ladies to actually bring home the national title. That was pretty awesome, man. It's definitely a huge shout-out to Don Staley and what she's built down there. And how nervous were you going into that championship game for the women's? Because I looked at it after uh, Mississippi State, you know, after they beat UConn, who had won, I think, 111 straight games. It kind of just felt like, uh, you know, it might have been, you know, destiny for Mississippi State to come away with it. How nervous were you going into that championship game uh, between, you know, the two of them? Or were you just kind of confident that, hey, you know, they beat Connecticut, but South Carolina is a better team. They beat them twice during the year and they're going to come away with it. I was actually pretty nervous because we did beat them twice. And it's, I know, like, for a fact, it's hard to beat one team three times in one year because, like, the scouts change up so much and they learn 
how they exploit like things that they didn't see during the previous two games. So I was a little nervous. But uh, like after they got to playing, I watched how Aja was and how dominant she was from like minute one all the way until she got subbed out to let the senior girls get in and take their part on this on that big stage. And uh, those nerves kind of calmed down. And, you know, on the men's side, too, you weren't there. You actually played uh, for South Carolina from uh, 2009 to 2011. So you actually played the year before Frank Martin came uh, and really uh, turned the program around. But you were kind of, you know, in on the baseline of that um, revitalization of the South Carolina men's program. I mean, what was that like for you watching them make the Final Four after, you know, playing for them and, again, being on the ground floor of what's been kind of a, a 360 turn in Gamecock basketball from being, you know, not that well uh, represented on the national stage to now being in the Final Four. And that was a that was definitely a huge run those guys put together. I'd, I already let them know that, like, me and a lot of the guys that I talked to that are also, like, a part of that Gamecock basketball family, like, how proud we are of what they did and what they accomplished throughout this season. But, man, I, like, as, as I said, as you said, I came in, well, I came in right before Frank got there. But I, at that summer he got there, it was like after my first or second year playing overseas. And then I had, I went in and I just wanted to introduce myself to him and just make sure that it was like all still good for us to come in and use the facilities and just be around the program still like as alumni and just being able to show guys the ropes and answer any questions that may have been like may came up. And uh, like he's been just a class act through this whole situation, like his whole five-year tenure that he's been there, he's been nothing but the best to the former guys. And he's even brought guys from when he coached at K-State through that school. And it's just been like just a great thing to be around. That family is like a big, tight-knit family down in South Carolina. And that was reflected so much. It's a great point that you make there. Uh, and it was really reflected on TV. I actually, I'm a Northeastern guy. That's actually where he began his college career as an assistant coach up at Northeastern University in Boston. And you hear those kind of stories as well. And you just mentioned, you know, your interactions with him. But, the, you know, I'm sure you keep in touch with a lot of the guys uh, on the team, like you mentioned, um, kind of the, the, the tight-knit South Carolina family. And I thought one of the great stories about him that aired during the Final Four was that story about how, he, you know, people might come in and say, Coach Martin, and he says, no, you know, call me Frank. Um, you know, he doesn't want to kind of say, you know, make that impression that he's, you know, this powerful guy over the players. And uh, it just seems like a really kind of um, a mix of an old school and a new school coach, but really someone who the players respect and really like playing for. Has that kind of been what you've found from talking to, you know, players on the current South Carolina team or, uh, you know, guys who played under his wing that now graduated that they really enjoy playing for him? Yeah, they definitely love, like, just the person that he is. And he, he definitely got to show a lot of his personality through the media these past few weeks as they was making the tournament run. He um, I actually met a few of his players, like, playing against them in Europe my first two years. A guy named Curtis Kelly I played against in Israel. He played at K-State. And a guy, Danny Clemente, also played at K-State. And they... When, as soon as that hire came in, they were both telling me that. And that's the best thing that you guys could have done for your basketball program. He's really going to turn it around. And, like, looking at him five years later, it's definitely everything they said came true.
And the guys that I speak to now that are still on that team, they only have great things to say about him and just attest to his character and the type of guy he is. What do you think this does for the SEC in general? I mean, it's known as a football school through and through. You have Kentucky, who obviously I think kind of carries the weight, um, and, you know, obviously Florida as well. But what does it mean, do you think, just for the conference on a basketball standpoint, historically known to be a football conference, to now have another team make the Final Four, uh, make a huge run in the NCAA tournament? I mean, do you think that – you know, the SEC will start to get some of that respect that, you know, the ACC and the Big Ten have kind of kind of gotten a threshold over? Do you think that South Carolina's run and adding another really elite team to that mix, you think that'll uh, help out kind of the perception of the conference? I think we'll definitely get more respect on the basketball level. It's, um, it's been a few years, like a few down years overall in the SEC basketball-wise. Like a lot of teams weren't making the tournaments. Even though how like great of a season we like the South Carolina Gamecocks had the previous like last year, and to get like kind of overlooked because I'm pretty sure just being in the SEC, it uh it definitely was a great opportunity to have three teams in that Elite Eight and kind of shine some light on that conference and the things that we're able to do on that basketball court. Absolutely, and uh, a team I actually love watching uh, South Carolina. That just that gritty defense—it's so fun to watch. Uh, and obviously, you were a part of it. I wanted to get to your career uh, a little bit. So you're born in South Carolina, a uh, South Carolina guy through and through. You went to high school there. So then you begin your college career at Northwest Florida State from 2007 to 2009. Again, before transferring back to South Carolina from 2009 to 2011. Was that kind of always the goal for you to you know play? Uh, somewhere else for a couple of years and then make that transfer to South Carolina? Or is that kind of just the circumstances, how things played out? Where I'm from in Santee, South Carolina, like our school is so small and like the community is so tight knit. We never really got to branch out and understand what the value of AAU could do for your career heading forward. So I only played my high school games and after the season was over, it was just, you just hang out and get ready for the next season. So uh, when I find, we made we got into the playoffs my senior year, and I had a few good games against. Uh, and one of the most memorable ones was against Sam Muldrow. He played. He was already committed to USC. So we, um, I think I had a like a twenty and sixteen game, and all the USC coaches were there watching. So like that very next day, the coaching staff they had currently. They came to my mom's house and they were like, we definitely want to offer John Dre. So we kind of went forward with that process and turned out that my grade, my SAT score wasn't like at the level that it needed to be to get in such a university. So I played in the all-star game. I didn't have any other like college opportunities and playing in that North Carolina, South Carolina all-star game. It came in, I met a JUCO coach from uh, Northwest Florida State by the name of Bruce Stewart. He definitely uh, had the biggest impact on my basketball career. He's my favorite coach I've ever played under. And uh, he moved me down to Florida. He told me, uh, you come down and you just trust the process. You put in the work. You'll definitely have a long career. You'll have a long career ahead of you. And my goal was always to come back and play for South Carolina because I feel like I missed I missed the opportunity to have four full years there by not having that test score to 
get into the university. So when I got there, my whole purpose, my whole plan was to be as dominant as you can so they can still see that you've just been getting better and you're still the guy that should be on that team. And the guy started recruiting me. The It was Mike Boynton, who's the new head coach at Oklahoma State University, and Cephas Bunton. They all came and was, like, recruiting me pretty tough. They came down, watched maybe three, four games, and I I played pretty well. And then one game they came and they were like, we want to bring you in on a visit. And that's actually the only visit I took. I was getting recruited by, like, a host of schools, but the, I already had my mind made up before I even got down there. I was like, I want to go to South Carolina. So I came, I basically just took a free trip home pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so I came back, I watched them play a game, and I committed right there on the spot. And being able to come back and play, it was probably the best thing that could have happened for me. That's awesome. You, you hear that story uh, so many times, and it obviously worked out very well for you, like you mentioned, with the two years at South Carolina. I mean, you kind of alluded to it there, but what did it kind of just mean for you the two years um, after playing in Florida? Obviously, uh, not too far, but a little bit of a trek from home to be able to play, you know, just minutes away from friends, family, they all got to watch you for two years. What did that kind of mean for you, especially considering now that you play uh, overseas and it's a little bit tougher maybe for uh, family, friends to watch you, to be able to have those two years at home where, uh, you know, people can just kind of drive down the road and watch you play? Yeah, those two years at South Carolina was everything. Um, my fiance, she came to school. She enrolled at the same point that I did to go to South Carolina, so we spent that college time together. My mom came to every single game that we had at home, so that was that was a bonus. Even even the games that I didn't even get a chance to get in the game, she was always that support system and definitely kept me level-headed and focused on what the ultimate goal was, which was to for continue my career after I was done there. But I met a lot of great people at that university and like all the staff, all the academic people, I still speak to them to this day and every time I go back home to Coldwell, South Carolina, I stop by and just make my rounds just to see how everybody's doing and give them an update on what I'm doing. Absolutely, and they've been able to uh, actually catch up with you a little bit, or at least watch you play over the last two years. And we're going to get to TBT uh, in just a second. I just wanted to hit on your career real quick because you embody uh, kind of is a journey for so many of the players in TBT. Uh, you've played your, uh, you know, in your career in Slovakia. You've went to Israel, Italy. You're in Turkey right now. Um, you know, what's that journey kind of been like for you? Has it been tough moving year after year, or do you kind of embrace, you know, living in a new place every year, visiting places that most people, you know, don't get to in a lifetime? So how's that been for you, kind of traveling country to country year to year? I've definitely embraced the travel aspect of it. It's a, it's definitely a blessing just to be able to play this game, and you can see almost any country in this world that you would want to. Like, you always you always have offers from different countries. You want to pick the ones that obviously offer you the better opportunity to provide for your family. And, but you also want to be in a position to where you're enjoying your environment. Like this is, that's why it's uh, I love Italy so much. I adapted to that culture. Like from day one, when I got into, when I got there, that first year was just amazing. Everything was smooth. The management was great. And all the guys that I had surrounding me, Mike Nardi, he was my point guard. 
And he's also he's actually on that Villanova coaching staff who just won the national championship last year. Wow. And uh a guy named Ramon Clemente who's on the Puerto Rican national team. So we uh we all just had like a great time and just surrounding yourself with the right people when you get in Europe, that's a big bonus. But and just uh making sure that you're enjoying the moment. Like I try not to get lost in like all everything that's going on. Basketball is always going to be the same, but you're just here to do your job, enjoy it, and just continue to improve and get better opportunities. Yeah, and I've actually read a great article, too, about when you were in Israel and, uh, you know, what visiting some of those historical sites meant to you. So like you mentioned, just really a great kind of um, – you know, kind of a lifestyle to be able to go country to country. What do you do? Um, you know, you mentioned Italy was your favorite country. What, what's kind of a, a normal day for you like overseas? Uh, and maybe, you know, Italy in your favorite country. Obviously, a lot of shopping, a lot of good restaurants there. So what, what was kind of life for you like over there? Okay, in Italy, a typical day would be, I'd go, well, a typical off day, I'd say. I would the day after the game, I always would travel to Milan because it's definitely my probably my favorite city in the world. And I'll get a uh, stay spend a night in my hotel, get up in the morning, and it's uh, it was uh, an American restaurant, American breakfast uh, restaurant, which was a, always a go-to spot. And I would always go and just spend maybe two hours just eating and talking with a couple of my friends, and then you get to walk around and just explore that city it's so many historical like sites that you just love to see and it's, they have like a lot of people just on this on the streets they they sell merchandise they have entertainment live bands it's just it's just a beautiful city and then uh get back to work the next day morning practice and then you you try to get a nap in between that morning and that afternoon practice Absolutely. And I'm actually sitting in rainy Boston right now. So very <laughs> jealous of that. Um, it sounds fantastic. I, I If I, uh, you know, could play professionally, if I was even nearly good enough, I think Italy would be actually the place based on people I've talked to as well to go. So, um, you know, obviously the big reason why we're all here, TBT 2017, you're a two-time champion. Um you know, it's really amazing the run that you guys have made. Um, and so I guess the first question I actually always have uh, for the champions, what have you done with the money so far? You know, you guys have raked in $3 million. So what, is, uh, what have you kind of personally – I know Eric McCollum, I believe it was, talked about a car that he wanted to buy if they won last year, and you guys obviously did. So what have you done with the money? We, Me and Eric were roommates the whole time of TBT this past year, so uh... – we, we definitely had talks about the car, and he, I don't, I'm not sure he got his yet because he haven't really had a whole lot of time at home. But when I got back home in January, when I left Italy, I actually went and bought my car. It was a wow. Mercedes S550. That's a perfect uh, use of the money right there. I mean, you can't beat that, a free car uh, for winning five games. So that's certainly uh, one of the many perks, uh, I think, of playing in uh, TBT, you guys, uh, I think too. Um, obviously, you, you know, you talk about defending a title 
and you know trying to defend it now for a third year. You guys had a target on your back last year. Now you know coming in, you guys, I think that target has really expanded because I think you know when you look at sports nowadays, people tend to think everything's a fluke. Um, you know, if a team wins a tournament, it was a fluke. It wasn't the talent, which is obviously not true. But I think coming in, people said, "Oh, overseas elite, they won. That was a fluke." Now you win again, so that target gets so much bigger. Um, you know, what are you kind of expecting this year? You guys are going to obviously be throwing teams' best efforts night in and night out. How do you guys kind of combat that and, uh, you know, fend off teams who are really going to be throwing kind of the wolves at you to try to knock you off? We definitely, uh, we, we came in the last season, like, understanding that people thought that the previous year was a fluke. So we had a whole huge chip on all of our shoulders. So we definitely wanted to go in and show them, like, yeah, we really, we're really good at this game and we, we were supposed to do what we did. So that was that's a part of what made last year so sweet. But coming into this year, I think like it, that that target definitely definitely makes us like want to go harder and make sure that we're showing people that we're still we're still those guys that won it two years in a row. We're going we're going to give you all we got. We're definitely a key for us to win is definitely going to be our defense. And we got Kyle Fogg that can score 50. <laughs> Eric McCullum, he didn't have a huge scoring tournament last year, but we all know the things that he's capable of offensively and on the defensive end. So we're, we're definitely uh, ready to make another run at this thing. And, you know, you guys um, obviously have kind of developed as a team and kind of gotten that chemistry together, but uh, you know, how did it come together so quickly? I mean, if you look at the NBA, for example, when Durant went to Golden State, it took them, you know, 15, 20 games to get it together. When LeBron went back to Cleveland, they struggled for, you know, 10 to 20 games getting that chemistry together. How were you guys able to get it together so quickly considering, A, uh, to begin your run in 2015 that not everyone was even together for that South Regional, uh, and, and B, that, you know, it's a, a win-or-go-home tournament. How are you guys able to put it together so quickly and, and you reel off uh what's it been 13 or 14 straight wins now we all communicate throughout the year so i think that communication definitely has a big part of it we um we genuinely care about each other and when you care when you're on a team that everybody cares about each other it's easy to go out and play hard and put your put everything you got on the line because you know the guy next to you is going to do the exact same thing yeah, it, it, it just amazing. I mean, even when you guys are down big, you guys were down big to both uh, City of Gods and uh, Team Colorado in that championship game, and you could just tell the composure, uh, the the kind of chemistry you had with each other really kind of carried you guys through those tough stretches and on uh, to the win, obviously, in both games. Uh, just two more questions. I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, you personally... Uh, your role with Overseas Elite, I feel like you've especially really come a long way with that team, really picking up game by game a bigger role, uh, carrying a lot you know, more weight you know, each game with the team. How have you kind of gelled with the guys? And just talk about you know, your role with the team and really, uh, I, again, I feel like game by game you, you continue to get more comfortable with the guys, take on a bigger role, and really become a go-to player for this Overseas Elite team. It's all about what you said, getting comfortable with uh, the position that you're playing. I know, like, my job with that team, we got Eric McCullum and DJ, and we got Kyle. Those guys are, like, guys that can really fill it up on the score box. 
but I want to, I just want to be the guy that can like attempt to do everything else. I want to rebound at a high level. I want to play great defense and I just want to be able to do what I can to help us get in a position to win. And it came to a point where I, I had to, I scored a few baskets and that was just completely in the flow of the offense and nobody had a problem with it because everybody's just interested in playing basketball in like a great, playing a great level of basketball, like with a high IQ and we, we find the open person and we got confidence that they'll be able to produce the way that we think they will. I suspect you're not going to answer this question. Uh, and you, you definitely don't have to, but if you're an opposing team drawing up a playbook or drawing up a game plan, how to be overseas elite, how do you do it? Or is it impossible to do? <laughs> I, I kind of think it's impossible to beat our team. We, <laughs> we have a bunch of guys that we're going to go out there and we're going to punch you in the mouth. And if you hit us, we're going to come back with a roundhouse. And it, it certainly worked out, you know, it, until somebody does it, uh, you're, you're certainly right. Nobody uh, has been able to do that. You guys have come from behind. You guys have gone out to early leads and blew, blown teams out. You guys have won uh, basically every way that you could win. Last question, something you mentioned in college, playing at South Carolina and, you know, being able to, like you said, your mom being able to watch every game, friends, other family being able to watch you. Uh, what's it meant, especially playing overseas to now come back and play on ESPN, um, you know, every game is streamed, you, you know, kind of access to watching your games is maybe a lot easier than it is uh, over in Turkey or Israel or wherever you happen to be playing. What's that kind of meant for you personally to be able to have, again, friends and family be able to watch you in the summer and really uh, kind of, you know, watch you in a big spot when, uh, what's it been, three million now over two years? Yeah, my career at South Carolina, it didn't go like as I planned. I envisioned it to go like all along, but to have, be able to come back and play in TBT on ESPN, I, it gives like the fan base that I acquired while I was at South Carolina. It gives them opportunity to come to tune in and watch me play and see like the things that I thought I was capable of doing while I was there. They get to see me do it at a higher level now, and definitely gives them the satisfaction of seeing me take home that money. Absolutely. John Dre Jefferson, you are a two-time TBT champion, a winner of $3 million, and we will see you very soon. TBT really kind of sneaking up now that we're in the beginning of April, but we really appreciate the time. You've been very generous. Best of luck with the rest of the year over in Turkey, and we will see you real soon. Thanks a lot, man. See you guys soon. All right, great interview there with John Dre Jefferson. Uh, Josh, really a great guy. It just seems like he's so confident about what uh, Overseas Elite can do. I mean, I, I bet you that he actually, if, I don't know if he would say this or not, but I bet you that he thinks that they could beat an NBA team in a one-off situation. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the kind of vibe you get from him. I mean, when you listen to that interview, you just kind of understand how much that they really buy into each other. It's not just, you know, the 13 or 14 games that they've played with each other, but they're really all good friends. Uh, they really kind of buy into what they're doing in TBT. So, um, <laughs> like you mentioned, Dan, I do think he, you know, he probably believes they could beat an NBA team. And uh, until anyone beats them, you know, who's to say that they can't? But another thing that I really kind of took from that interview was how he talked about how he's gotten a lot more comfortable personally playing with them. I mean, uh, he's, I think, the player on that team, maybe more than anyone who's really 
kind of carved out a really nice role for himself. You know, uh, really, I think it kind of came to fruition in the Super 16 and uh, the semifinals and championship last year where he was really a big player for this team. And he's really kind of taken on an added role each and every game with Overseas Elite. So really good to see for him. Like you mentioned, Dan, a great guy and a really good team coming back to look for a three-peat this year. All right. I know we've also got updates from around the world and some other stuff going on with TBT. So let's get into that. Uh, Josh, you want to start us off? Yeah, so I'm actually uh, looking at some of the early storylines, Dan, from TBT 2017 because you had um, the wonderful uh, Nick Elam on last week. We haven't really been able to delve in into TBT 2017 yet, but uh, a couple of you know interesting early storylines, notable teams. One, uh, I thought the big story over the weekend was Marshall Henderson jumping back into TBT his fourth consecutive year. He'll be with that old hottie toddy team, Dan. That's kind of the Mississippi rallying call, um, a rallying cry, uh, and they're going to enter in. And I think, Dan, they could be a team in that South region who could really give Overseas Elite a run for their money. I mean, uh, I'm actually writing an article about them right now uh, as we speak, but you know, looking at some of the guys that uh, Henderson says that they're getting back, whether it be Chris Warren, who I thought was one of the best point guards in all of TBT last year, Aaron Jones, uh, Terrico White, who played for the Bluff City Blues, but actually went to school um, at Ole Miss. He'll be on the team, according to Henderson as well. And also some of the newcomers they have, whether it be Dwayne Curtis, uh, who played his freshman year at Auburn and then came into Ole Miss and had a very good three years, 13.5 points, 8.5 rebounds per game in three seasons. Murphy Holloway, who's the only player in Southeastern Conference history to score uh, 1,400 points, grab 1,000 rebounds and record 190 steals. Uh, Snoop White, another really good player, playing very well in, I believe it's Slovakia right now. Uh, so that's going to be a really good team, Dan. Great to see Marshall Henderson back. And again, I think they're um, a group of guys who could really give Overseas Elite a run for their money in that South region. Yeah, that's a great squad. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they do with the votes, too, because I think the name is perfect for what Ole Miss is all about. <laughs> Just, I think it's going to be a dynamite team. All right, what you else you got? Actually, yeah. No, go yeah, ahead. Ole Miss, real quickly, you'll see it in the article. Uh, so, Hotty Toddy, like I mentioned, is their rallying cry, but uh, no one actually knows where it came from, uh, which is, I thought was kind of interesting. It's just something that kind of caught on within the Ole Miss fans, but no one really knows where it came from, but they're certainly embracing it, and everyone uh, will certainly know who they're representing when they have that on their jersey. Uh, another big story, TBT, the Banner Boys, that UW-Milwaukee alumni team, I thought they're a really good story. You know, you might not know some of the guys on the team um, unless you're, you know, real hardcore college basketball fan, but they're really playing for a good cause. You know, uh, they're playing, they actually pledged to donate 200K to recovery centers in the Midwest trying to fight the heroin epidemic. I thought that was really uh, kind of a noble cause that they're playing for, you know, obviously big uh issue around the country right now dan so i just thought that was kind of an interesting story to plug in there as well yeah no question i've actually been emailing quite a bit with ed mccants and he's real invested in trying to do something about that problem so good for him i think the team is an interesting team and uh they seem to have a lot of guys right in the exact correct position in their career to do pretty well in tbt so it's going to be interesting to see what develops with them as well yeah, another team trying to do well is Team Challenge ALS. They are playing uh, to strike out ALS and also 
for Pete Frades, who's really kind of been the spokesman of the cause of the BC baseball graduate uh, who started that ice bucket challenge. And actually, if you have a minute, go log on into their page in TBT. Again, Team Challenge ALS, they all did the ice bucket challenge. Every member of that team it, uh, includes guys like Sean Marshall from BC, D-Bossed, from Mississippi State, uh, Jerry Smith from Louisville, Matt Ryan is a booster, Darren Collison from the Sacramento Kings is going to coach that team. So another team really uh, playing for a good cause and also has a lot of really good talent and always good to see uh, Pete kind of jump in TBT. Uh, certainly a guy that we love, uh, you know, these players kind of rallying behind. So they're going to be not only a team trying to raise money for a good cause, but really a, a talented team as well. And I think a team who could really make a lot of noise this summer. Yeah, I had uh, one GM reach out to me when he saw that D. Bost was on that team, and uh, was just like in awe. <laughs> he said yeah. that guy is awesome. I mean, I think I, there's a lot of talent that's going to be playing in this event. Not all these rosters are filled out yet either, and it's kind of fun to see which of these guys you've kind of had your eye on that haven't played in TBT yet, and uh, who is going to actually end up jumping in. But Team Challenge ALS uh, looks like a really strong contender. I do know as well that we're hearing a lot of teams that are thinking about getting into the West region. And it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know how it's going to come out in the voting and how that's all going to shake out, but it wouldn't surprise me if top to bottom, the West is the strongest region this year, uh, partly because it's in Las Vegas. And I think that's a big attraction for people. Yeah, absolutely. Can't beat a little weekend trip out to Vegas. And uh, I had one more team. I think, Dan, that St. Louis alumni team, uh, I always, I'm, it's going to be another name I butcher, Dan. Uh, so you're going to have to help me with it. Mahiris. <laughs> what else you got? I don't know. Oh, I, I no, I, that name. Oh, Majerus, Rick Majerus, Majerus, Majerus. You were so SLU far off Pro. on that pronunciation. I didn't even know what you were talking about. <laughs> Rick Majerus. Are you kidding Majerus. me? Majerus. He's an all-timer. I just have never been able to tackle that name. Um, either way, they're going to be a great team, Dan. I think uh, oh they're going to be one of the biggest maybe comeback stories that we've ever had in TBT. Uh, they have guys like Jordair Jet, Mike McCall Jr., uh, I think could be maybe the best backcourt we have in TBT. They both led uh, St. Louis to two A-10 regular season titles. They made three NCAA tournament appearances while they were at St. Louis. Jet was a 2004 Atlantic 10 Player of the Year, three-time A-10 All-Defensive Team member. So they're a really good, talented team, a deep team who I think um, could really avenge that 2015 tournament and come back with a bang and really uh, make a deep run in TBT. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see what develops with them as well. I mean, I think they've got a lot of talent that they can pull from. And I think the biggest thing with any team, whether they're an alumni team or not, is that you have to have that buy-in from all the players. And it sounds like, from what I can see online, is that the Slook, the Majerus, uh, Majerus Slook, now you got me mispronouncing it, <laughs> the Majerus uh, Slook really has that uh, going on. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, is, that what, oh, is that all you got, Josh? That's all I really got. Those are the big uh, things that I've been looking at so far. Obviously, things change week to week. Uh, so we'll have certainly more updates next week on the podcast. Yeah, I'll say this. I, I got a couple little notes I want to add just, just about teams that are on there so far within the first like 10 days of the qualifying period. Uh, the Kentucky Kings, to me, look like a team that could do really well if they end up making it in. I'll just There's something about that team, the players that they have, they've got really strong guard play. Uh, you know, Osiris Eldred's played in the event a couple of years ago. Uh, it was a stud. Khalil McDonald played at Western Kentucky. He's really good. Obviously, A.J. Slaughter played at Western Kentucky. He's really good. And then they also have from Florida, Irving Walker, 
who uh, is just a total stud from New York. I got to figure out the, how they actually got him. Um, but that's a team that looks like it could be pretty good. Um, the Kentucky Kings. There's a couple of the teams, obviously, that you have your eyes on. I'm hearing some rumors about some teams that might combine, and uh, which would really increase, I think, their overall um, uh, quality. Uh, but then some other teams that are still coming together too. You know, this Hilton Magic Legends team from Iowa State is uh, is really going to be interesting as well. They've got a passionate fan base. They could be like the the um, Kansas State of 2017, basically. And actually, that you mentioned one other one, that Gale Nation team. They they have a pretty good fan support early on, and they're a talented uh, team. Iona's kind of always been that that uh, NCAA tournament, you know, bubble team that the, you know they'll kind of come out and they'll throw fire at you. They're kind of a, a very um, up tempo. Um, they really like to bring the game to you. So them in the game, uh, like you mentioned, the Iowa State uh hilton's magic team i think they're both going to be two alumni teams who can really uh make a little noise this summer yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun to see what happens with those uh maury i know you've got some updates on uh, tbtus around the world yes i do i actually was going to have an update on gale nation josh jumped the gun a little bit on me (laughs) um but uh yeah no iona you know i cover i've covered you know all of the iona gales uh, on this gale nation team and i know the manager john kiggins he's been a manager at iona from 2012 to 2016 during his college career you know, a, a, a reason to like Gale Nation, and I think a reason why they have a ton of support, well over 600 fan votes right now, is because, you know, they're the only program in the country that has sent a senior player to the Portsmouth Invitational. You know, that, not, that doesn't include the Dukes, that doesn't include the Kentuckys. You know, that's just Iona, six straight years, sending a player to a top tournament that includes top seniors around the country. So I think, you know, Gale Nation will be able to make some damage this this summer. Iona's also had eight straight seasons of 20 wins or more. They're, they're kind of like that West Virginia-style mid-major team, really long. They'll press you full court for 40 minutes. Uh, they're led by Trey Bowman, who, who actually played for Sideline Cancer for the last couple of years in TBT. So they do have a stud on their team you know, that has that TBT experience, much like we talked about a little earlier in the podcast in Lance Goldborn. Uh, and then, you know, they have a couple stars in A.J. English, who is, you know, he's a rookie this year playing professionally in Germany. He's in the top league, averaging 17 points a game, 6'5 guard, really long, lanky, uh, you know, can can run the floor really well. And David Lowry, you know, a 6'9 beast who won a couple MAC championships, went to the NCAA tournament a couple times. He's averaging a double-double in Puerto Rico. So that Gale Nation team, like Josh mentioned, you know, definitely one to look out for. You know, one player from Quinnipiac who I got to cover in my time here is Zaid Hurst. A new team that is that has entered TBT. They're actually eligible. They're the Silver Springs Willows Runners. Uh, Zaid Hurst over 1,700 career points at Quinnipiac. I know he never got to an NCAA tournament. You know, led by Tom Moore from UConn. But you know, Zaid's had a great professional career so far. If those who don't, you know, follow college basketball too too close, he he averaged you know over 16 and a half points at Quinnipiac. He's averaging over 20 points a game uh, in the second division in Spain. Uh, a little under five rebounds a game, really elite rebounder and defender, 6'5", small forward, Zaid Hurst, and a bunch of his team from that Baltimore DMV area, you know, a big reason why TBT's in Baltimore this summer for the championship. So they've had a lot of support thus far. And then, you know, Cameron Clark from the Untouchables was going through Eurobasket a little a little earlier, 32 points the other night for Shalon from France. His team is going to the finals in the FIBA EuroCup. So, you know, it's great to see some of these guys you know, play really well overseas uh, and, and you know, make, make some noise over there. And, you know, their seasons are going to end, you know, in April, May, and June, and then it's going to lead right into TBT. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's some interesting develops. I saw last week that Euro, Eurohoops.net named Brad Wanamaker their MVP of the week in the EuroLeague. 
And uh, at the same time, I was hearing a couple of guys from TBT are on NBA radars now. And um, not just in terms of like a summer league invite. I'm talking about like signing them to a multi-year guaranteed deal along the lines of uh, what some other guys from Europe have done. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with some of those names this summer. Uh, hopefully, obviously, we'd love to see them back playing in TBT, and maybe they can sign those contracts after they're done uh, picking up a check. But we'll see what happens. It's going to be very interesting to see what develops. What else you got, Maury? Anything else? No, that'll do. I also was going to mention that, you know, I saw Josh put out on Twitter yesterday that, you know, Dante Jones just signed a deal with the Cavs. Uh, you know, he was a 2014 TBT runner-up with Team Barstool, and he's, you know, back back with Cleveland for the second straight season, and hopefully he's going to, you know, ride them to another championship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Dante's a great guy, and uh, I think his on-court reputation is way different than what he's perceived like in the locker room. You know, he's just a nice guy, and he's smart, and anyways, good story for him. All right, that's great updates, guys. We've got some great stuff coming up on the next couple of episodes of the TBT podcast, so we'll keep that stuff rolling. Remember that you can subscribe to TBT's podcast on iTunes. Just hit that subscribe button. Remember to tell all your friends. Leave us a rating and a review. Uh, if you leave us a great rating and review and we can actually contact you, maybe we'll send you something in the mail as well. Uh, you can follow TBT on uh, Twitter at The Tournament. We're facebook.com backslash the tournament on Facebook. On Instagram, we're the dot tournament. On Josh Brown's favorite social network, Viber, we're the tournament on there. Josh, you've been vibing a lot. You were just like vibing this weekend, right? I've been vibing, Dan, all day, all night. Uh, I'm waiting for TV, some TBT vibes. I feel like um, we got to get these vibes going as we get uh, more into the registration but yeah viber is the way to go yeah it's a fast-growing network and everybody's on it so check that out the tournament <laughs> on viber as well and uh just always remember you can go to the tournament.com for all the updates about tbt that you're whatever you might need uh, remember that tbt is going to be live on espn this summer august 1st and 3rd are the semifinals in the championship 20th through the 23rd of july you're going to see us on espn and espn2 as well and on watch espn for the regional rounds guys looking forward to seeing some great updates next week and hearing some great updates next week as well so uh let's keep it going all right sounds good sounds <laughs> all right. good dan all right guys we'll talk soon <laughs>